Hello and welcome to this podcast from the City Churches as part of the Our City Together campaign. My name's Laura Jorgensen and I'm the Rector of St Botolph's Oldgate. Today we're going to be thinking about the lives of a few women from the late 1880s and, and many women today. One evening, not long after I first arrived at St Botolph's Oldgate 10 years ago on the border between the city and White, Whitechapel, I was sitting in my office in church when I heard a man's voice just outside in the churchyard shouting, uterus, ovaries. It was more than a little alarming. I decided to stay put rather than going out to investigate. It didn't take me too long, though, to realise what was going on. It was a Jack the Ripper tour, detailing the organs removed from Catherine Eddowes when she was killed in Mitre Square. So my alarm for my personal safety vanished, but over the years I got increasingly concerned that the women who had fallen victim to this murderer were reduced merely to their body parts and the very gruesome manner of their deaths. Which is why after a few years ago, we spoke to Beyond the Streets, a charity who work with women uh, who work on the streets. An alternative tour was set up, which took people to the places where the women lived rather than where they died. In a moment, we're going to hear from Alison Joyce from St Bride's Fleet Street about a connection she discovered with one of the victims. Then from Josephine Knowles about the Door of Hope project working with women on the city fringe. So I'm having a conversation now on Zoom uh, with Alison Joyce, who is Rector of St Bride's Fleet Street. It's nice to talk to you, Alison. I'd love you to describe your study because it's amazing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, I think some clergy in London diocese suffer from what they call crypt envy when they see my study because it is in fact a former burial chamber. When the uh, crypt was excavated after we were bombed in the Second World War, they discovered amazing things down here and one area of the crypt has ended up being my study. So I'm rather glad that they had removed all the caskets before they put up my bookshelves but it's an amazing vaulted space and it's a it's a beautiful space as well so I'm very fortunate. So Alison is speaking to us from her study and um, we're talking today about um, the women who were killed by the the unnamed murderer we like to call him. Um, you came on one of the uh, tours the alternative track the Ripper tours um, perhaps you'd like to talk about how that came about and uh, what happened after that? Yes, indeed. Well, actually, it was all thanks to you, Laura, in that you mentioned uh, in passing one day about the alternative Jack the Ripper tours, and they sounded very interesting. I'd never really been drawn to the prospect of the conventional tours of that kind, but hearing about a tour that focused on the women and their stories rather than the unknown serial killer seemed to me a much, much more interesting and unusual way of approaching that story and that period of history. So uh, my ears pricked up when you mentioned it and I went on one of the tours which was just a revelation. It was amazing and I think just learning about the stories of those women and also London at the time um, was it was just a revelation. Anyway my ears pricked up during the tour when Polly Nichols uh, story was being told and Polly was of course the first known victim of this particular murderer um, and 
it was a, her place of birth was mentioned, which was Shoe Lane. Now, Shoe Lane is immediately opposite my church, St. Bride's in Fleet Street. It's in my parish. So my ears pricked up and I scurried off and did some research and started to discover Polly Nichols' story and in particular her links with St. Bride's because she was born on the 26th of August 1845 just off Shoe Lane in a place called Dawes Court and that's about a hundred meters away from where I'm sitting now I mean it's that close. Um, she married a, a printer and of course we're famous for being the printer's church as well as the journalist church and uh, William Nichols the man she married lived around the corner from here he was also a parishioner and they were married here on the 16th of January 1864 so we had a very direct link with Polly and her story so I got more and more interested in this and um, this culminated in us holding a special service for her because I think as a parish priest and I'm sure you'll know this uh, Laura you do feel a duty of care for everyone in your patch, past and present. I think there's a very real sense that one has a duty of care to everyone. Um, and so I thought it would be so nice to commemorate Polly Nichols, Mary Ann Nichols' life rather than just remember her death. So on the 26th of August um, in uh, 19, uh, sorry, in 2018, so get, get, my, get my decade right, 26th of August uh, 2018, we held a special service for Polly Nichols here. And it would have been the 173rd anniversary of her birth. And, you know, a few days away from the anniversary of her killing. And we had a bit of publicity. The Church Times was interested and uh, the London Evening Standard picked it up. And we had loads of people turning up. And we used it as a fundraiser for Beyond the Street. So I didn't just want this to be a commemoration of her life. I thought it was also an opportunity to draw attention to women today who are caught up in patterns of sexual exploitation. And so it was lovely to be able to work alongside Beyond the Streets and support them. And we used it as a fundraiser. And um, out of that came plans for a memorial to Polly Nichols here at St Bride's and uh, I put this to the congregation and said it would be great if we actually had a memorial plaque to her here and just again to remember the woman not just the end of her life and um, so I put it to the congregation and said you know do you think we could raise some money for this and to my absolute astonishment the money just flooded in. I mean, it was oh, we, fantastic. We had them, you know, donations and pledges because they're not cheap, you know, carved memorials. <laughs> and I, I think we had pretty well all the money within a fortnight. And we had it installed just at the start of the lockdown. We were planning a big launch event. So the, the plaque is now in place. Um, and once people are allowed in and we can have proper services again, we shall certainly be having a a formal unveiling and I hope very much that Beyond the Streets can come to that as well and Hallie Rubenhold of course whose marvellous marvellous book uh, has really shed more light on the the lives of the women um, whose stories she tells. I mean the, the, the Hallie Rubenhold because we've, we've been I've had involvement with 
or, or concerns about Jack the Ripper tours since I first started at St Bottles over 10 years yeah. ago. But really, it's been uh, Halley's book, The Five, which has done an amazing job yeah. in raising um, the this this idea that actually you shouldn't talk about the killer you should talk about uh, about the women and it it really fills yeah. out these women are full uh, characters yeah. they've lived lives of um often um for great difficulties they've not chosen the lives that they ended up having they've not mm. chosen those mm. things so they mostly have been mm. through no fault of their own and i think that really came out in her book i love in her book that she doesn't um she stops before the killing so she doesn't mention mostly yes in fact the ripper things how to talk about autopsies and have photographs of dead yes. bodies and i, I love yeah. that that these were full vibrant women living these extraordinary yes. lives from all over from you know, one from sweden and so, and people yeah. who are so local as well yeah and it's full of astonishing revelations as well because uh, for example polly nichols had more education than my own grandmother my Gosh. grandmother left school at 12. Mm. Polly Nichols was in school for longer than that, even though she was from a single parent, good working class home, you know. Mm. Um, also, you know, part of her, her um, married life, she spent in one of the Peabody flats. And you had to be deemed morally upright, you know, her and her husband and their five children moved into this flat, a Peabody flat, um, and you could not get a place there unless you were deemed morally upright. Now, the fact that history has denounced her or branded her or, you know, as, as, as a fallen woman, if you want to put it like that, with no reference whatsoever to both the richness of her story, but also the tragedy of her story. Mm. I mean, if um, I remember... Is if a I if I remember rightly, didn't he, didn't her husband start having an affair with a neighbour, and that's why she ended up getting uh, yeah. getting Oh, that's out? right. Yeah. Yes, I think there were two particular factors in the tragic decline in her circumstances, and one was her husband's infidelity, and the other was it's clear that she had a problem with alcohol, as did several, you know, of of the women who whose story Hallie tells. Um, and the odds were so stacked against working class women in her circumstances when life started to unravel in that way that you just trace her decline. And I could weep, you know, when I see how that woman who had so much and she was a real human being and she was a child of God and you just see the terrible circumstances in which she ended up and, uh, and the appalling end to her life and you know one weeks for her really i mean i find it interesting having read the book now going around london and imagining in knightsbridge you know the i can't remember which one this is now but the, you know that somebody living a barracks life and then have and then yeah. ending ending up um as she did and uh i mean one of the other things as well is it's highlighted that, that women are still facing the same issues um housing yeah, insecurity absolutely. addiction or violence yeah. um and mm. that, that actually what we're doing is not necessarily hi just highlighting historical figures we're trying to say no, and there are women who are living exactly these yeah. lives again 
and it is not mm. their fault um, it's not a choice and um, that those women that we perhaps might be able to do something to help uh, today yeah. um, by highlighting these historic stories yes absolutely and you just see I think that it came across very well in the tours that draw you know the beyond the streets tours that very much drew those those parallels how women of every era have got trapped in those kinds of cycles and it's so hard to break out when you are that vulnerable perhaps you have a problem with substance of abuse of, of some kind and you can just see the way in which people's lives fall apart and you are so vulnerable um, to violence um, and and you know the most appalling abuse so i think it was it's been very chastening to learn polly nickel's story particularly because so much of it took place on my doorstep here but above all because of the parallels in london society today because they're still there what one of the things we did in the polly nickel service that we held on the anniversary of her birth was we combined Victorian hymns that would have been sung during Polly Nichols' lifetime, so they were the hymns that would have been sung here at St Bride's while she was alive, together with some contemporary Eastern European choral music, just to remember that many of the women today were caught up in cycles of sexual exploitation come from Eastern Europe, and I think somehow that was our own little nod in the direction of of that part of the story as well. Well, I think it's absolutely fantastic um, that we have got now a memorial to her in the place, yeah. uh, which was would have been uh, familiar to in the in the area was so familiar to her. And uh, I'm hoping mm. that we can do more of that in parishes across London. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, the, the memorial gives her dates. It says she was a parishioner of St Bride's, married here, and it gives the date. And it says remember her life not its ending and that's what we remember we want people to take away from seeing that memorial that's fantastic Alison thank you so much for talking to me today you're very welcome <laughs> having looked back in the past we're now going to look around at the life of women in the present I'm really pleased to be joined today by Josephine Knowles and I'm going to let Josephine introduce herself Thanks, Laura. Um, really appreciate you asking us sort of this. So um, I'm Josephine Knowles and I'm co-director of Beyond the Streets. And uh, this all started for me when I um, got involved with a project that was yet to be named back in the mid 90s. And we started to do outreach to women who were on the streets in Tower Hamlets. Um, and from that, the Door of Hope project was born, as it were. Um, and as time went on, we we uh, carried on with the project until we started another organisation called Beyond the Streets and uh, I'm working with Beyond the Streets to look at how we can um, see routes out for women who face sexual exploitation and Door of Hope has come back to us as one of the projects that we we deliver um, for front frontline services for women in Tower Hamlets. And they do an amazing job and I'm really pleased there's some bottles that we, uh, we're involved and, uh, and partnering with you in various things. So um, one of the Thank things... You. We really appreciate that. Um, one of the things we've been talking about, um, the, the women who were killed by, we're going to call him the unknown killer. And uh, looking at 130 years ago, it strikes me that some of the themes from then 
for women um, are really directly mirrored today um, issues around uh, addiction and domestic violence and I wonder if you might reflect on that for us a bit. Yeah sure um, I think you know women facing abuse uh, has just been with us for so long that often it's so normalized we don't see it we don't recognize the everyday nature of it but for sure women 130 years ago would have experienced that side type of um, context um, along with things like exploitation in labor or sexual exploitation and and then the subsequent alcohol and drug misuse that goes with that to sort of deal with it basically um, but I think that those those themes are still with us today they're still very present in the women that we work with and I would say that you know for, for most of the women that we work with today um, those those issues are just they're just so present and then with kind of children being taken away or with them losing housing and losing um, you know job prospects that all those things that that you know you kind of look 130 years ago and then look at today and go oh what, what's changed you know those themes are still with us and I think it's because we haven't really unpicked some of the cause or reasons of that um, and those reasons why they affect women today if that makes any sense <laughs> so it certainly does I mean could you say a little bit about what those reasons might be well I mean it depends on your ethos and outlook but for me um, a lot of them are around the inequality of women in society. So the fact that women um, can't actually get access to, to pay rights as men, um, that mainly they're the carers of children and elderly folk. Um, so therefore often in quite tricky economic um, circumstances. And actually that makes them quite vulnerable to being pulled into the sex industry, um, which, you know, is for some women it can be quote unquote, and I, and I use fingers here that you can't see, easy money. But for, for many women, it comes with strings attached, it comes with control, and it comes with, with increasing amount of debts. So it, it's not always that simple. But I think that some of, going back to causal, I think, um, you know, the, the status and um, the status of women in the UK, you, you would say, actually, it's all changed, we're, we're all equal now. But I'm not sure that that's really the case. Because women, are continually faced with these issues and we don't always get the support that we need for those issues to be kind of actually dealt with and moved on. Thank you. We were talking, I was talking with Alison Joyce from St Brides about um, celebrating the women mm. rather than the way that they were murdered and who the murderer was. In your work with women today, how do you kind of celebrate the whole people that they are? It's very easy for people to dismiss um, some of the women as well they're addicts or they're this or they're that but how do you celebrate the whole woman? Oh lovely question I think um, we first of all do it by seeing her as a whole woman you know we, we always use her name we um, we very rarely use terms like um, addict or sex worker or prostitute you know we, we want to see the person and we say yes she's involved in xyz but actually she's a whole person so when we work with a woman we will look at what are her strengths and what does she need? So we don't see her as a victim. We don't see her as somebody who is helpless, but actually someone who's in a tricky context. And we ask the question, what has happened to you rather than what have you done? And I think that's really important. And, and it's really easy to actually, it's hard to see, sorry, that it's any woman, any woman could be in these circumstances because these are all push and pull factors that, that affect us. Um, but actually we see her as a whole person, what her life has been, what hopes she's got, what dreams she's got, how can we celebrate her birthday? We love Christmas and we do a big hampers. 
you know, and, and deliver. And during COVID, we've been delivering food packages and coloring packages and, and um, you know, chocolate. And those are my colleagues at, um, at Door of Hope have done a fantastic job of that. And I think that we just, we want her to emerge as a whole woman rather than just the aspect of her selling sex maybe or being caught up in an abusive relationship. That's only part of her story. Um, she's also often a mum or a sister or a daughter and, and we, we want to celebrate the whole, whole part of her really. Um, and so I think we, we continually seek to make our services woman-centered rather than so much issue. You know, we only deal if you fit into our category. Um, and that can be super challenging. Um, and, you know, some women aren't ready for change. Some women aren't ready for support, but they know where to find us if they are ready. Mm, thank you. You mentioned story. I would be really interested to hear some, a story or two about uh, women that you've worked with. Oh, um, where to start? There's so many. Um, I think one that really has shaped me probably for many, many years um, was a woman who I met quite a while ago, um, whilst on the streets. And um, I remember it was really, really dark and drizzly and we were out with our flasks and our condoms, etc. And we saw this woman, she had these thigh high red PVC boots on, zipped up. And uh, we, we caught her and said, hey, how are you? What's happening? And uh, for some bizarre reason, which I still don't know why I did this, Laura, but I said to her, can I try on your boots? <laughs> so in the middle of outreach. And she went, yeah, sure. And she unzipped her boots and condoms and keys and money fell out. And we just started giggling. I mean, we just got the fit to giggle. So I sort of put her boots on and she puts my boots on and we stand there talking. And as I zip it up, it come, I mean, I'm short, I'm five two, so it came right up my thigh. Um, she's got these gorgeous legs and I'm sort of all that little shorty next to her. And as I stood there, I just had this flash of, oh my gosh, I'm standing in a woman's literal shoes here and I haven't got a clue. I actually haven't got a clue what she faces on a daily basis, uh, what, what she experiences. But to stand there for a second, I felt very different. I felt like I was perceived differently. I was watched differently from men driving by. Um, and it just really shifted my mindset. So instead of saying, what can I do to you? How can I help you or rescue or save you? I started to then, that was the birth for me to say, um, what is it that you want? How can I help you? It was a shift. It was a working alongside her in her strengths rather than what can I do for her and I think that that was a really good um, life lesson so we kind of really ask those questions now what is life like for you what is it that you want what it how can we help you and so it's the, 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 she's the the um she's the answer to her own problem she's the expert in her own life rather than us outreach workers coming in on our white horse which I think very much was at the heart of what we did many years ago but these red pvc boots will always be for me a real remembrance of that story and that woman and her family and what i learned um, and what i continue to learn nearly 25 years later um, of working with of having the privilege to work with the women that, that we do work with so i think that's um kind of a really resonating one do i have time for another or would you prefer? yeah of course keep going um, so I think a woman who I learned a lot from more recently, I'd say, is um, a woman who was a, a student and um, facing kind of just very big layers of exploitation, um, but not seeing it as that, seeing it as kind of more, I don't know, empowerment maybe. And it was, it was really interesting to learn from her and unpick her story to to work out what was going on. And it was all done through questions. We just asked, you know, just listen to her story and listen to what she was saying. But kind of at the heart of it was that I think she thought that was all she was worth. 
that to sell sex. So, so the pimp in her life was so clever in that he told her that's all she could do. She had nothing else to offer the world. And she kind of, because she was young, she believed it. And so it was a fascinating journey to be able to unpick that with her and for her to slowly come out and go, do you know what? I might actually be worth something else. And actually those dreams that I had, maybe they might happen. But the barriers she faced to getting out were so, and this is the consistency, the barriers to housing, to, to education, to good benefits that are not punitive, um, to resources that they're the continual barriers that we face um, as women of 130 years ago faced. you know they're similar barriers so I think yeah I, for us to keep learning from women and to keep putting women at the center of all that we do um, is our kind of ongoing challenge really. Mm. I'm, I'm really struck by you saying about um, listening to people because one of the things coming out of the Black Lives Matter movement and the idea of white privilege is that so much of our time is spent doing things that we think are appropriate for people but actually it may, may it absolutely may not be and listening has come out so strongly as the key for that and it's great to hear that, yeah. that, that kind of women-centered approach. Yeah I mean moving from the sort of doing things for women or to women to with them it is the real challenge because you you are your power is decreased and their power is increased I, ironically you know actually they're in the driver's seat you're just resourcing and some some agencies can't deal with that actually they want to be the ones that are rescuing or fixing you know not many but you know i think that's a common theme in charity sector and we really want to see women be the agents of their own change and to empower them to mm. do that really I mean, I think you might have answered my final question, but I'm going to ask ask it anyway and see what else we might um, pick out from it. Is um, so, what would you like the general public to know about the women that you work with? I think people have a really kind of often have a really set idea about what women in this situation might be like. But what would you like um, Joe Blogs on the street to uh, to understand or to know about these women? Well, I guess I mean it's a great question because I, I guess for me it would be about that that they are first and foremost women and they're people and they're like you and me. And actually, um, you know, when you learn the stories of what women have been through, some abuse and exploitation, just think, how are you alive? How, how are you still with us? And yet we think that we have, you know, cause to tell um, instead of listening. And it's just, it's, you know, continuous theme. I mean, not all women that we work with are um, kind of in that space of being, completely controlled um, and sort of trapped. Some women are do see this as a kind of career um, and um, a choice. But when you, but the, but the, you know, so there's a big continuum really with all sorts of stories in between. But even those women that we've worked with who would say this is their choice or their career, um, you know, often once they get to trust us, they will tell us some, something pretty horrific that they're facing. Um, and we hold that space for them if they want that, you know, if they just want signposting. Um, I'm getting off subject here, aren't I? This is what, what no, that's no, no, it's um, still very interesting. <laughs> well, I guess, you know, my, my catch-all is that they're a woman. You know, let's drop the labels. Let's drop prostitute, sex worker, drug addict. Um, and let's see the woman. Let's see the person first and foremost. And if we have to say something, we say involved in prostitution or selling sex or um, even involved in sex work, if that's what they want. But the person is the absolute heart of this. And also for us, it's like, how do those stories shape future service delivery? Um, and how can we you know, create a context in which it is hard to get into the sex industry? Not easy, but hard, you know? And, and therefore we've actually changed some of the inequalities and some of the harms 
that, that's what I really want the public to, to be involved with. And sometimes that comes down to something very simple about just seeing her as a person in the day to day or, um, you know, supporting causes that actually work with sexual exploitation or abuse. Um, and, you know, that's really important. Well, Josephine, thank you ever so much for joining me today. It's been, it's been enlightening and I've really loved working with Beyond the Streets and look forward to doing so in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Laura, so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us and our podcast on Polly, Annie, Elizabeth, Catherine and Mary Jane. We remember their lives, not the manner of their deaths. Please do visit the website of Beyond the Streets and see the work that they're doing with women today. In the meantime, uh, please be assured of the prayers of the city churches who are open for prayer uh, and who are also uh, continuing their online presence.